Good morning. Good morning and welcome to the First Church. My name is Jenny. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you. Welcome you into this worship service. We are glad you're here. We are honored you're here. It's a blessing to see each and every one of you here. I do ask you to register your attendance. If you're in the sanctuary with us today, there are attendance pads on the ends of each pew. Uh, use them to write your name. Let us know you're here. Pass them down to the person who sits next to you. If you're worshiping with us online, then use the platform that you are on and leave your name. Who else is worshiping with you at home? Tell us uh, in the comments or use the registration form. We celebrate every single person who decides to make this Sunday morning a time where we worship together with you. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I have a few announcements. And uh, first of all, I want to say that this is a very special time in the live rhythm of the church. Every single year, the time leading to Easter is called Lent, and it's time of our uh, spiritual enrichment. It's time for us to dig a little bit deeper into our faith. It's time for us to uh, be more intentional about how we practice discipleship. So here at First Church, we uh, have several uh, opportunities for you to uh, experience with us. First of all, Lance, where is he? Here you go. Uh, Lance is leading a daily uh, devotional on a podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, just subscribe to uh, First Church Podcast, and he's there every single day, starting a day with a prayer, with a scripture, with a devotional reading. What a wonderful way to just ease into the day. We have several Bible studies opportunities that are, are going to be happening through the land, and I encourage you to consider them. We have some daytime options. We have a Wednesday night option. We have Zoom in person. Uh, if this is something you are interested in, if this is something you want to experience for this next month and a half, in the time leading to Easter, please uh, find, find the, uh, these options. Um, and. Uh, as, as I'm rattling them off of my head, I understand that most of you are like, yeah, that sounds interesting. So where do I find you all? How do I find all of this information? Guess what? After the worship service, we have an on-ramp. It's a, uh, uh, in the end of the sanctuary as you exit to the garden. We have a, a team of volunteers there. Just come up to them and say, hey, I heard there is Bible studies. Hey, I heard there is service opportunities. Hey, something was said about that podcast. Could you please tell me? Could you please help us connect? And that's what we will do there. We will connect you. We will help you find the place, the time, and the way to uh, walk through this land with us together. Uh, another very exciting opportunity is going to be on April 3rd. April 3rd, so it's four Sundays from now, we will have at 9.30 a very special worship service. We're going to have worship service outside on the parking lot, and not just any random parking lot. It's going to be an east parking lot that is right next to our new children's win. We're going to celebrate the completion of the construction of the addition to our children's ministry. We're going to consecrate it. We're going to celebrate what God has done in our midst. So at 9.30, the worship service is not going to be here. It will be outside. We will give you more details about it in the coming weeks. At 11 o'clock, the worship service is going to be here. So if you are a regular 11 o'clock person, well, why not show at 9.30 and experience something else and then come to the worship service that you usually attend? It's going to be a perfect Sunday to try something like this. Uh, and now I ask you to quiet your spirit, quiet your mind, and let us prepare our hearts to worship as we listen to Peggy lead us in a prelude.
Good morning. It is so good to see you all this morning. I'm Tim Brewster, uh, co-senior pastor here at the church along with Reverend Lance Marshall. And uh, I want to add my welcome uh, to you. Um, in just a moment, we will uh, have our call to worship, and I invite you to find the words to the call to worship either in your bulletin or those words will be on the screen as well. And after that, we will sing uh, the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress uh, is Our God. And let me mention the beautiful banners that you see uh, behind me. Uh, Diane Fisher made those banners. And uh, Diane, thank you for these beautiful banners. And today is Diane's birthday, by the way. And uh, some others participated in that. Janet uh, Anderson and Sandy Kennedy uh, also helped with that. They, they sewed on the, uh, uh, I guess you would say the loops or the hardware uh, to enable them to, uh, to be hung in the, in the sanctuary. And uh, thanks again for your beautiful uh, work uh, to enhance our worship in this way. Now let's worship together with the call. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted to serve himself. <clears throat> Jesus was offered salvation if he turned stones into bread, if he accepted wealth and power, if he tested God's commitment to him. May our commitment be as strong.
I invite you now to join together in our affirmation of faith. One of the important things we do when we gather to worship is affirm our faith together. And the words will be on the screen uh, at, if you're worshiping with us at home or uh, here in the sanctuary and also in your worship bulletin. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. be seated. And at this exciting time, I'm inviting the family, the parents, and uh, little Ryan Raquel to join us here for baptism. Baptism is a sacred time in the life of the family and in the life of our church. So this morning, we are here and we are asking the parents of Ryan Raquel to present her for infant baptism. Baptism is a sign of God's mercy and love, reminding us that we do not come into this relationship with God on the basis of any Anything that we do, but rather on the basis of God's acceptance and gracious invitation of love to us. And children have always had an important place among the people of God. Remember the words of Jesus when he said, let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for, so, for to such as this belong the kingdom of God. And I ask you now as you stand before God in this congregation, do you affirm your faith in Christ? And do you promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, all nations, and all races? Yes. And will you nurture Ryan Raquel in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? Yes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. They, they can. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Interrupted your photography. It's all right. mm -hmm. Just turn, turn and face the yeah, congregation. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Ryan Raquel, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now if you all place your hands on her as well. Ryan Raquel, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, you will remain a faithful disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, what a blessing it is to be a part of this uh, very special uh, sacrament of the church. And we do that because we also are pledging ourselves, along with her parents, to, to do all that we can to help nurture Ryan Raquel and Christ's Holy Church so that uh, as she grows up among us, she will come to the place in her own life where she will profess her faith. And this is all God's wonderful gift that is offered to us without price. And now will you please join me in our response? With God's help, we will soon order our lives after the example of Christ that Ryan Raquel, 
surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. And I get to be the children's minister here at First United Methodist Church. And I want to start by saying, Happy Lent, everyone. We don't hear that very often, do we? But I, I can't do glum Lent this year. I mean, we, um, you know, Lent, we often think of it as a time where, where we give something up. But everyone in this room knows a thing or two about giving something up and for a lot more than 40 days, right? Everyone in this room has taken on something new for the greater good, and that has lasted a lot longer than 40 days. So I'm just not doing glum Lent this year. This past Wednesday, we had two Lenten Ash Wednesday services here in the sanctuary. We had a huge family, children and families Ash Wednesday service upstairs where just tons of kids and parents. This weekend, I got to be one of the leaders on a, on a very important retreat with some of our fifth, sixth, and seventh graders as we explored some really challenging topics in very loving ways. We had this great room full of people. You should have heard you just singing a while ago, and we just had a beautiful baptism. Happy Lent, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But after this week, I'm really pretty tired. I really am. A retreat with 5th, 6th, and 7th graders is exhausting, no matter what the topic is. So the temptation would have been for me to maybe mail in the children's moment or maybe tag out and have someone else come and do it. But I wanted to avoid the temptation because I wanted to talk about temptation. So I wanted to explore it from a couple of standpoints. And one of those is the temptation to do things that are really pull me away from being the best version of myself I can. And it involves what I call taking a shortcut when I shouldn't. There's a phrase I often use with kids and it goes like this, say what you mean without saying it mean. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of a task and someone's trying to get my attention, they either need my attention to do something at work or at home or it's a, a kid up in the children's wing. It can be really tempting for me just to snap and say the quick thing so that I can get back on with what I'm doing. And then I see the look on their face. They're hurt. And rather than that have, having taken a short amount of time, now I'm in my head and it takes an even longer time because I'm trying to tell myself all the reasons why it was okay for me to be short with that person. And it's exhausting, right? Have we all been there, kids, grown-ups? And we spend all of our time saying, well, it was right for me to do this because didn't they, couldn't they tell that I was busy with this and I couldn't deal with that right now? And bleh. And I said what I mean, and I said it mean. And so one of the things that I'm going to work on for the next, well, 36 days, because we're four days in, it's been the best Lent ever so far, but the hard work of avoiding the temptation of saying what I mean, but with the edge on it, but taking time and saying what I mean without saying it mean. <clears throat> but the other temptation, which to me is just as big and maybe even bigger than the temptation of doing the wrong thing, is the temptation of, of the things that I don't even do avoiding the temptation to not do anything, to sit on my hands and wait for someone else to raise their hand to be a volunteer, or to even follow up with, uh, with that first temptation of doing the thing I shouldn't do. So I've got three things that I'm going to work on. There's three things where rather than not do anything, avoiding the temptation to just let things blow over, I have three things. So, all right, let me get on my readers. All right, everybody say number one. <laughs> So the first thing is 
Say, I'm sorry, right? It seems, Lent is a good time for remembering the two of the most important words we can say, and that is, I'm sorry. And not assuming that the thing I said with Edge just was rolled right over the, off, their, off their back. Maybe they're hurt. And not just assuming that time heals all wounds. Time plus love heals all wounds. Some wounds get worse over time, right? That's why we go to the doctor regularly. So saying, I'm sorry, and really acting on that. Everybody say, number two. two. This is something I need to work on. It's going back to that first time. Sometimes when I feel like I don't have time. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone was talking and you kind of had an idea where it was going to go and you cut them off? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, or you, yeah, 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 to show that you knew what they were going to say before they finished it. Don't do that. It's going to take a little bit longer to to let the other person talk and say it, even if you think you know. And you might be surprised. Be open to the possibility that we're going to be surprised by where the conversation goes. I need to work on that. So for the next 36 days, I'm really going to work on listening more and not cutting off whoever I'm talking to to show how busy and important I am. Okay, and number three is to simply to reach out more, especially to friends and family. If I haven't heard from someone in a while, I'm not just going to assume, well, if they want to talk, they'll call me. If they want to reach out or connect, they'll text me. I really want to make a concerted effort. I don't ever want to take this togetherness for granted again. I know we've said it a lot, but I remember last year, it wasn't like this last year. And two years ago, it would have been people in robes and people behind the cameras, and that is it. And I don't ever want to take community for granted. Again, this is a beautiful thing. And that includes our friends and family who aren't here with us. So I'm going to make a concerted effort to avoid the temptation to assume that everyone's just going to call me when they're ready or text me, and I'm going to reach out. And I would encourage us to all do that as well, because I'm, I'm I'm a children's minister, and encouraging people to do things is one of, part of my job. And part of that includes encouraging any of the kids who are going to join us up on the second floor to come meet me at this door right now. And as the children are making their way out, I encourage you to get your Bibles out, the Bibles that you bring to church, or maybe you use one of the pew Bibles. Uh, We're about to read the scripture, and our text today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. We will be reading verses 1 through 13. Again, we're in chapter, in Gospel of Luke today, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, It's written, people won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil brought him into Jerusalem and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, It's been said, don't test the Lord your God. After finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. God speaks to us through the reading of the scripture. Thanks be Thank to you God. God. Amen. Hello, everyone, and good morning. My name is Lance Marshall. Along with Tim, I'm one of the co-senior pastors. And whether you're joining us here on Fifth Street 
or anywhere in the world, I am so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Before we consider today's, consider today's scripture reading and message, I want to thank all the people who are making worship possible today, all our volunteers in our different ministries, the people in the Cornerstone Youth Choir and in our adult choir who are leading us, and I want to say a special word of thanks to all of the people who are part of our broadcast team, connecting us now everywhere in the world. Today is their 47th anniversary of faithful service, the broadcast ministry of our church. So everyone upstairs, thank you so much. So many people have faithfully served as a part of that ministry, and it is powerful now more than ever. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate your faithfulness. We're in the season called Lent. It's a season of preparation and focus, the holiest season of the year that leads up to the holiest week of the year that culminates in the holiest day of the year, an Easter Sunday. And our theme throughout this season is on struggles and stumbling blocks that we all face face in pursuit of a life lived in the love of Christ Jesus. We're going to face things like temptation and, and doubt and pride and resentment and insincerity. These struggles and stumbling blocks, they're a part of all of our lives. And experiencing those struggles don't make us bad people. They don't even make us bad Christians. It's part of what it is to try to live a life of following Christ. And we're going to learn how through the power of Christ's grace, those struggles and stumbling blocks can turn into stepping stones of continuing to walk more nearly and dearly with Jesus. The themes that we're going to be exploring all historically throughout Christian history and art have colors associated with them. So as we go from things like sin or temptation into deliverance, they're historically associated with colors like magenta and orange. And in order to help you have an immersive experience of Lent, that's why we're using colors and themes so strongly. After this and all the services throughout Lent, if you're the one of the, the kind of people who like a physical and tangible encounter with the message, I invite you to come up and pick up one of the plastic bowls and one of the gems of each color and continue to build up that collection over the season. You'll have a rainbow uh, to take home with you after the season of Lent, all of it testifying to Christ's continued work and presence in your life. And really, that's what the purpose of life is. That's what life is all about, is to live in connection with Christ's love, to learn what it is to find our belonging and our security and our significance in Christ, the one who will never let us down, never give up on us, never be taken away from us. Our transition into life is learning to set other things aside and live and trust completely in Christ's love. And we can tell when that's happening in our lives, when we're starting to live day to day with nothing to hide and nothing to fear and nothing to lose. That's what living in Christ's love feels like, but it's not easy to do. And there's a lot of temptations along the way. And that's what's going to lead us into our scripture reading today. It's a very famous scripture reading if you're familiar with reading scripture. But if you're new to it, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, this may be hard to understand. It comes very early in Luke's gospel. We've just had the infancy narrative of Jesus, and then Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan River, indicating the beginning of his ministry. And then before anything else really happens, Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. And there he faces conversation and temptation from the devil himself. It helps if you know the entire arc of the narrative of Scripture, including that of the people of Israel, that includes a time in the wilderness. Remember, God took the people of Israel out of Exodus in Egypt, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness where God was shaping and teaching and revealing God's self to them, trying to show God's covenant people how it is that you are live, to live and be my people in the world. And their time in the wilderness, over and over again, was marked by unfaithfulness and a lack of understanding and a lack of a will to do what was required of them and a desire to pursue idols instead of a real presence with their God who loves them. So Jesus' experience in the wilderness is a chance to redo and re-experience and succeed where others before him and after him would fail. And I want to take a really quick look at these scriptures because they're called the temptations of Jesus. Now, they're called the temptations because they're tempting. Understand that when Jesus is facing these temptations, they're called temptations because they are tempting. He's been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. He's exhausted. He's hungry. And the devil shows up with a temptation for him. The temptation is to turn stones into bread. Surely you can do that, right? With the powers that you have. Surely God wouldn't want you this hungry, right? Surely you could be a better Christ if your body was strong and you weren't so distracted or held down by these feelings of hunger and weakness, surely that's what God would want for you, right? And it's called a temptation 
because it's tempting. The devil shows Jesus all of the power of the empires on the earth, power over all the armies, all the economic systems, all the political systems, and said, this could be yours. And because Jesus is good and always was good and always will be good, because he's kind and because he's merciful, surely you can use these symptoms of power, these systems of power, and use them for your good purposes. Surely you could be the benevolent dictator, right? Surely you could be the one who uses armies and economic systems and political power to put the world as it should be, right? And it's called a temptation because it's tempting. The devil shows him the corner of the temple, one of the most public places in their community, a place where the devout would be surrounded and says, why don't you jump down, make a display, God will save you. And it's called a temptation because it's tempting. And what exactly is Jesus being tempted with? Let's talk about this. What exactly is Jesus facing? What is the temptation that he's facing? First, when it comes to feeling hunger, feeling weakness, and to have the temptation to turn stones into bread, the temptation that he's facing is to use his power to satisfy himself. Over and over again, Jesus is going to be faced with the temptation to use his power to make himself comfortable to make things easy on himself, to not face things like hunger or vulnerability. It's a real temptation that he really faces and really overcomes. It's a temptation just to use his power to satisfy himself. The second temptation that he faces is to pursue worldly success at the expense of being faithful. A temptation that he's facing and taking over all of these armies and all the economic systems and all of the power and all of the glory, it would be a success, right? He could do incredible things with it, right? He would be the best ruler, the most fair, the most just, the most kind, the most merciful that we've ever seen, right? And it's called a temptation because it's tempting. But Jesus is called to faithfulness. And the way that you bring about God's kingdom is not through those kinds of power. And the way that you show God's mercy is not by commanding armies. And the way that you show God's goodness and kindness is not control over economic systems. And yeah, it would be successful, but it wouldn't be faithful. It's called a temptation because it's tempting, but that's what he's being tempted with. And finally, when it comes to making a display, like standing on the corner of the temple and throwing oneself down, The devil, who quotes scripture, says, do this and surely you'll be provided for, right? You'll be taken care of, right? And what better way in front of the very people that you've been sent to save, in front of the very people who love the God that you call Father, in front of these good and holy people in the midst of their worship at the most sacred site in all of the world, the temple, what better place? to make a display of who you are, to be lifted down feather light in front of everybody so that they can know who you really are and follow you and believe you and trust you. What Jesus is being tempted with here is to try to fulfill his mission as Messiah in a way that avoids the cross. And it's called a temptation because it's tempting. It's tempting when you're hungry, angry, angry, lonely, and tired to use what you have to satisfy your own needs first. It's tempting to pursue success at the expense of faithfulness. It's tempting to try to be the Messiah and avoid the cross. Jesus shows us what it is to draw on the presence and the knowledge and the love and the grace of God to overcome temptation. Now, we're going to face different temptations. I'm pretty sure that no one in the choir has the capacity or the ability to change stones into bread. And if you do, email Thomas. (laughs) That's not the kind of temptation that we face. But we face a temptation just like it. Each and every person in this room over and over and over again in our lives is going to face the temptation to use our resources, to use our power, to use our ability, to use what we have first and foremost over and over and over again to satisfy ourselves, to feather our own nest, 
to make things easier and easier and easier, simpler and simpler and simpler, more and more and more luxurious. When? When we just finished a sermon series talking over and over again about what it is to live in love. Love is taking what you have and using it for the betterment of others. We will all face the temptation to use whatever resources we have, and it's not power like Christ, but it's sure not nothing, and to use it just to satisfy ourselves. Second, the way of this world tells you over and over again that you need to pursue success. What does that look like for you professionally? What does that look like for you socially? What does that look like for you on social media? Over and over again, we are told that you should pursue success. Just like Jesus was offered all the power of the kingdoms of the world, we're told that if we finally achieve that thing, earn that thing, get that amount of notoriety or that position of power, then we will be successful, right? But remember this, the devil's a liar. He never had that power to give to Jesus, and he certainly is not going to have any power to give to you. What you're being told to pursue, that vision of worldly success, comes at the expense of faithfulness. The way that you're actually meant to live. Real humility, real grace, real compassion. And finally, none of us is going to face the temptation to stand at the temple for the purposes of avoiding our cross. But we will be tempted over and over again to abandon our purpose and to settle for something less. Christ's purpose is to be the anointed one, the Messiah, to take on himself the sins of all humanity so that everyone everywhere can receive reconciliation and grace through his work and be one with the Father, now, then, and forever. That is his work. That is his purpose. And to settle for anything less is to not be the Christ that he is meant to be. Your purpose is to live in relationship with Christ Jesus, your Lord, to live in his love, to know his grace, and to settle for anything less is to not pursue the purpose that you were made for, the reason for your being, the meaning behind your life. The temptations that will be put in front of you over and over and over again will be opportunities to steer away from what you were made for and to just settle for something left. You probably won't be turned into someone who's evil. You probably won't be turned into someone who's cruel. But you will be tempted to turn into someone who settles. So how do we avoid that? How do we move past that? We don't have the capacity that Christ does. We don't have the strength that Christ does. But what we do have is his grace. That's his real work, his real power, his real presence in and through our lives. And we experience Christ's grace through worship, through proclaiming that you are the center of our lives, not that stuff, not those images of success, but you, Christ, are the rock upon which we build our lives. We do it through learning the ways in which Christ has been present in us and others over and over and over again. We do it through living sacrificially so that we can take resources and instead of using them just to comfort our own greed or our own ego, we use them for the purposes of Christ's world and God's creation, not just for the benefit of others, but for the benefit of our immortal soul. We do so by serving as the hands and feet of Christ so that when people see us, people see him. And we do it through enjoying Christ's good creation, this beautiful, wild, and wonderful life that we've been given. And we do it through prayer, a real conversation with our living Lord. And in this season of Lent, I wanted to bring something a little bit different to the table, a chance for us to pray together in a different way. That's what we're going to do now at the conclusion of the sermon it's an opportunity for us to pray and worship together. It's in a style that's pop been popularized in a community called Taze in France. And it's a way of singing that becomes very meditative. You sing the same line over and over again and you let it sink into your soul. Thomas is going to lead us. He's going to teach us the refrain and we're all going to sing together. I invite you to adopt a posture of prayer. Close your eyes. Open your hearts. As Thomas then first teaches us the line, we'll sing together and repeat it. me. 
Help us, O Lord, in the midst of our temptations. Guide us as we seek to walk the path of our true life. Heal us as we recover from our wounds and strengthen us as we face our deepest fears. Just as Jesus faced temptation in the wilderness, so are we tempted to stray from your ways. We come to you in prayer, O God, asking for your help in discerning how we are tempted to settle for less than your love. Seek your light, O Lord, to guide us out of darkness. Help us return to your path and to walk in your steps. Expose the things in our lives that seduce us away from you and bring us to life in the grace of your kingdom. O Lord, from the weight of temptation. Bring us to you, grace-filled and redeemed. O Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. And when we call, answer us. Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, answer me. Our hearts are prepared now for the service of the Holy Communion. After the liturgy, the ushers will uh, invite you, starting from the back, to come forward and receive communion. And this table is not just First United Methodist Church table. It is not a Methodist Church table. It is Christ's table. And Christ invites every single person to come and participate in the Holy Communion. There will be service at the balcony as well uh, for you to receive the communion. And uh, if you are not able physically to come to the uh, rail, remain in your seat. Just let your uh, usher know, and we will serve you right where you are. Let's bow in prayer. Oh, gracious God, on this first Sunday in the season of Lent, we are mindful of the journey that Jesus took on our behalf, the journey to the cross and the resurrection that followed. For all these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we give you thanks. And we remember the night in which he gave himself up for us, how the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we receive this cup, this bread, in remembrance and in celebration and in thanksgiving for all that you have done for us in Christ. As we take these elements into our bodies, may we also once again renew our spirits. 
We pray it in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The table is open. Will you come now as the ushers direct?
friends, as we prepare to receive God's tithes and offerings, I feel like I just need to really have a moment of confession and get something off my chest. I've never tried to preach a sermon before or serve Holy Communion while fighting off the sin of envy. I've never been so jealous of a baby's head of hair before <laughs> in my entire life. Bless her heart. I, I know, it's just... The Lord has put a trial before me and I will overcome. Friends, as we've come to receive God's tithes and offerings, I want to invite our, our ushers forward. I also want to let you know there's about 5,000 reasons to be Methodist. One, it's the best. Two, it's the most fun. But one of them is because we are a global church and we have a global arm called the United Methodist Committee on Relief that is in place around the world to serve people in their moment of dire need. We were already in Eastern Europe, ready to serve uh, refugees and people who need help. In addition to making your offering today to the operating budget of the, chur budget of the church, you can also make an offering to UMCOR, U-M-C-O-R. 100% of the overhead costs of UMCOR are provided by other means, which means when you give a donation to UMCOR, 100% of the money that you give goes directly to the beneficiaries of that cause. If you give in a gift that comes in the offering plate and put it in an envelope, make note that it goes to UMCOR, we'll get that out the door to those folks. If you're one of the folks who gives online, you can go to fumcfw.org slash give now on your phone here or later on. Uh, if you select the UMCOR in the pull-down menu, all that money will go to serve the people in Ukraine in this moment of desperate need. Now, would you please join me as we bless these tithes and offerings. Great and loving God, please bless as we give to you a portion of what you've given to us. Use this for the service of those in desperate need, the strengthening of your church, and the coming of your kingdom. And it's in Christ's name that we all pray and say, amen. I want to uh, I want to add my thanks to Cornerstone Youth Choir. Thank you for that beautiful
uh, sharing of your talents and gifts with us to help us in our worship. Also, I want to add a word of thanks to Elaine Johnson. She is our coordinator of worship, and uh, she designed the banners and the, and the um, stumbling blocks and uh, stepping stones. Uh, and this concept of uh, enhancing our worship during the season of Lent. And Elaine, thank you as always for your uh, gifts and talents that you so generously share. I want to remind you that there's an opportunity to have someone uh, pray with you. If you would like to have someone pray with you, a member of our Congregational Care Ministry, Jeannie, is sitting over by this uh, banner that says Congregational Care. She'll be happy to uh, pray with you. Uh, also, uh, as Jeannie mentioned at the beginning of the service, if you want to learn more about uh, the programs and ministries of the church, our discipleship program, uh, and all that the church has to offer in enabling Christian growth, uh, out in the garden, uh, there is, you'll see a flag that says on-ramp, and somebody is there to help you with that. Friends, our gathering will soon be ended. Where will we go, and what will we do? We will go out to the May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen. Amen.